Isaiah 40 and 31, I'll put it up on the screen, give you a minute to turn there. Um, it was kind of a, a last-minute addition. I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to, to do this, and um, I had no idea they were going to sing that song, especially in the order that they were going to sing it in. Um, but I see now, I think, why the Lord impressed uh, a few of the things I want to say as we begin um, on my heart this morning. Uh, and, and again, just keep that last song in mind about worship as, as we get started this morning. But Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When Jesus spoke prophetically about what would happen in the end times, um, he said that the deception would be so great that um, even the very elect would be, um, would be susceptible to being deceived by the enemy. And then he said that God would show mercy to those who were alive on the planet during that time and that he would shorten those days because if he didn't shorten those days, that basically everyone would faint. Amen. But we see here, amen, the, that, that God, our Father, has made provision for us in difficult and trying times where we can tap into a strength, we can tap into a power, we can tap into an ability that doesn't originate within ourselves. It's, it's something that comes from God into us and through us in our lives. And we've looked at several different verses over the last few weeks. I'm not going to try to go back and, and, and rehash all of those, revisit all of those. But remember that in Ephesians 6, for example, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The power of his might is much different from the power of your might. Amen. The power of his might is obviously greater than the power of our might, and he has made that available to us. Now, I want to show you this same passage again in the Young's literal translation because it reads quite differently, but I think also sheds great light on, on, on what this verse is actually saying to us and how we can apply it uh, to our lives today. So Isaiah 40, 31 from the Young's Literal, it says, but those expecting Jehovah pass to power. They raise up the pinions of, as eagles. They run and are not fatigued. They go on and on and do not faint. So we take that word from the King James, New King James, wait, and we see literally translated it doesn't mean sit around and twiddle your thumbs. It means to expect, that we're expecting Jehovah. And so for the last, again, few weeks, we've been talking about our expectations. And I just want to ask you, as, as we begin to dig into some of the things we're going to be digging into this morning, I want you to just kind of think for a moment, what, what are you expecting today? You know, what, what, are, what are you expecting? And I don't just mean like what you're expecting to eat for lunch. I mean, what... What are you expecting in your life? Um, if, if, if things are good right now, are you expecting them to get better? Um, if, if things are bad right now, are you expecting them to get better? Are you expecting them to get worse? Are you ex let me tell you where a lot of people are. A lot of people are neutral in their expectations. They're not really expecting anything, uh, at least to, to, their, to their knowledge. And, 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 and so, you know, expectation is, is a, a, it speaks of something that we can do intentionally that we can do deliberately. Now, the older we get, the world tells us things like this, better not get your hopes up. Anybody ever heard that one? Don't get your hopes up. Well, listen, if you understand what hope is, hope is a confident expectation of, of something good or better in the future. It's one of the reasons why we say so often around here, good things coming. 
The Bible is clear about this, that Father God has saved the best for last for his children. And as good as things are right now, they're going to get even better for the child of God. Uh, and I'm not just talking about heaven. I'm talking about before we walk through those pearly gates. And so good things coming is about an attitude. It's, it's about an, a, a perspective on life to where we're expecting things to work out in our favor. We're expecting things to turn for our good. Even if it doesn't look like we're winning right now, guess what? We're winning. Even if it doesn't look like we're the head right now, and, 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 but instead it looks like we're the tail, guess what? We're still the head because we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith in what God has said. So let's, let's get back to it then. What are you expecting? What are you expecting to happen in your family? What, what are you expecting to come to pass with your children? What are you expecting on your job? What are you expecting, um, you know, to, 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 to turn up or turn out or, or, or these kinds of things? And, and so what is worry if it's not negative expectations? What is anxiety if it's not based upon an expectation of something to turn out poorly in our lives? And so expectations are extremely important. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews 11, we see that faith works to give substance to what we hope for. So whatever it is that you're expecting, the hope, uh, that's hope, by the way, a confident expectation. Whatever it is that you're expecting, the measure of faith that God has put in you will work to bring to pass Whatever it is your expectations are. So without any kind of expectation, faith has no blueprint to work by. If, if you have no expectation or no expectation of anything that God desires to do in and through your life, then there's nothing for your faith to give substance to, to bring into reality or we could say to fruition in your life. Now... With that in mind, let's bring that along with us as we work our way through these notes. And so this was the thing that the Lord impressed upon my heart to add kind of last minute to my notes. And I see now as he was breathing on that song, Will You Worship? So let me just remind you, first of all, that you were created to be number two to God's number one. You were created by God to be number two to his number one. Meaning what? Meaning God in the number one slot and you just under him in the number two slot, okay? Now, worship worship is when you recognize who you are in relationship to who God is. Worship is more than just the outward act or expression. We worship according to the scriptures by lifting our hands, clapping our hands, singing, playing skillfully, shouting, dancing, running, leaping, all of these different expressions of rejoicing. But a true worshiper is someone who does all of that to the one they recognize as being number two to, amen, as being number two to God's number one. He's the creator, we're the creation. So you were created to be number two to God's number one. Now, along with this, your life will not work in the number one position, nor will it work in the number three position. So how do we wind up number three when God created us to be number two? We wind up number three when we allow things to come in between us and God. When we allow people to come in between us and God. Anything that we put ahead of God in our lives, 
we may be trying to put it in a number one slot. Listen to me. God doesn't move out of his number one position for, for things that you put ahead of him in your individual life. What it, it doesn't move God out. It moves you down. Are you seeing this? It doesn't push God out. of the, He's number one, always has been, always will be. Amen? But when you allow something to come ahead of him in your life, it pushes that thing into a number two slot and pushes you down into a number three slot. Now, let me tell you why this is important. I believe, again, connected to our expecting Jehovah. Those who have confidence in him, those who are expecting God in their lives, the Bible says you will pass to power. You will move out of the realm of what you can do into the realm of what God can do. You will move out of, a, of, of the realm limited to what you can produce on your own into the arena of what God can produce in and through your life if you have expectations in Him. If your expectations, praise God, are beyond what you can produce with your own ability. Now, as we talk about you being created number two, God number one, listen very carefully. Matter of fact, you might want to write this down. You could probably remember it, but you might want to write it down, okay? Hope always expects upward, okay? Hope expects up, okay? See, the mistake a lot of people make is their expectations are in other people. See, other people are lateral to you. Amen. They're, uh, they're not above you. So when, when you put your expectations in other people, listen to me, they have the same limitations as you. Or we could say it this way, they're in the same boat you're in. Amen? You know, when the disciples were, were in a boat going down, they didn't, you know, maybe at first they looked to one another for an answer, but eventually somebody realized Jesus was in the boat. Amen? And they cried out to him for help because they recognized again. So notice, expectations go up you know, down. Are you following what I'm saying? You, they, I think it's clear, but we don't expect down. Amen? You don't ask people making less money than you for a raise. You ask people above you. Hope expects upward. Amen? And so with God as our number one, when we, when we put ourselves in a, in, a, in a number three position and we put our expectations in things that are inferior to God, again, notice how we have limited ourselves. Now, I inquired the Lord about this, and I felt, again, compelled to do this, and so I'm going to do it. Amen? Let's run through this list. We'll do it quickly. We were created to live on a level we cannot get to on our own. Amen? You got that? We were created to have things no amount of money, work, or sacrifice can earn. We were created to become something we can never make ourselves. We were created to experience emotions we cannot generate on our own. We were created to know things we cannot learn from our own efforts. We were created to do things we cannot do alone. We were created to see things beyond the ability of our natural eyes. We were created with potential we were ne never tap into apart from faith in God. We were created to accomplish things we do not have the strength in our own selves to accomplish. So what am I telling you? All of this adds up to this simple reality. We need the power of God working in our lives. We need His power working in our lives. So again, 
Are you expecting more from God than you can produce on your own? Are you expecting more today than you can accomplish with your own abilities? Psalm 108 says God saved you because He wanted to make His mighty power known in you. We sang about it this morning. We have resurrection power. The Bible says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. That's why we sing that we have resurrection power. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and then he expounded upon it in chapter 2. He said to them that he did not want their uh, uh, faith to be in the wisdom of men, but he wanted their faith to be in the wisdom of God and in the power of God and that the wisdom of God and the power of God can be found in one place, or let me be more correct about that, can be found in one person, Jesus himself. Jesus himself. Now, we see Jesus saying something similar to this in different places, but I like the way it's recorded in Mark chapter 10, verse 27. But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but with God, but not with God, I'm sorry. With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. I was listening to uh, a sermon this week um, by uh, Dr. Bill Winston. And uh, I must tell you, he, he is one of my favorite preachers. Okay, and, and I know somebody said, well, I thought you said Keith Moore was one of your... No, well, I got a lot of favorites, but I'm not saying Keith Moore can't teach, but he's one of my favorite teachers. There's a difference. And I'm not saying Bill Winston can't teach. He is a great teacher. But that man is a preacher. That man can preach. Are you hearing me? Amen. And so in, in, in one of his sermons, he kept saying this over and over again. God is not a man. God is not a man. Now, the scripture that he got that from is Numbers 23 and 19. Maybe you're familiar with it. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Now, I've been very familiar with this verse for, for many, many years. And I tended to gravitate towards the part about God won't lie. His, he, he, he doesn't have to you know, repent, go back on what he said. And, and I, I tended to focus on that main part of the verse. But the part that the Holy Spirit was emphasizing through Pastor Winston um, in, in that particular sermon is that God is not a man. God is not a man. What's the point? We tend to think of God as being a man. We tend to think of God as having the abilities of a man. We tend to think of God, again, laterally. We tend to think of God like we think of other people that, that, that maybe even God has put in our lives to help us. But listen to me, please. God is not a man, which means He's not limited to what men can do. What's impossible for a man, God can do easily. He's not a man. And we need to remember that. Praise God. He's not a man. So you can put your trust or ability um, in yourself or you can put your trust in God's ability. Now, the word of the Lord came, and I'm, I'm so thankful for our, our brothers and sisters from the foundry this morning. I'm not trying to embarrass you guys. Just You know my heart and love for you. Amen. 
But the word of the Lord came this week and came powerfully during our morning classes. And, and, and this was the simple thing he was saying to us. He said, you can try harder or you can try differently. Amen? And I think sometimes we get caught in this, in this trap of just trying harder. And we just need to redouble our efforts. And we say things like, I know what I need to do, and I just need to do it better. And I just this, I just that. Well, listen, you can try harder or you can try different. Amen? And I think sometimes our expectations um, are within our own selves and with our own abilities and with how hard we can try. Amen? I'm recommending that we try differently. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 talks about people who have a form of godliness. That's something you can do with your own efforts. But deny the power of God. So the question is, are you denying the power of God in your life? Because God's power is ready, willing, and available to work in our lives. Do not turn Him away at the border of your heart. Do not deny Him access. Do not deny Him place. If you only expect what you can produce, you will never pass into the power of God. Now this is where we ended last week, okay, with some other stuff sprinkled in our review. If you only expect what you can produce, guess who you have put your trust in. Yourself. Yourself. Wow. If you only expect what you can produce, who are you looking to for help? Yourself. You know, there, there are so many wonderful things about our country. And, and um, again, I, I appreciate that. But there are aspects of our culture, you know, this, this rugged individualism, you know, that we hear talked about here in, in, in this country. Amen. Well, listen to me. I understand the importance of work and I understand the importance of hard work and, 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 and these kinds of things. And, 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 and this nation, I believe, because it's one nation under God, is a land of opportunity unlike any other, uh, you know, on the face of the earth. But, you know, this idea of, of, of pride and our individual approaches and all these other things, my friend, you've got to be careful because that can become a door for the enemy. Amen. And, and just because it's the American dream doesn't mean it's God's will for your life. Thank you for those couple of amens and a few Baptist nods. Amen. I'm just, amen. So I appreciate this country. And I'm not, uh, listen to me, there's enough people bashing and, and, and talking down about it. And, you know, we need to realize the, the influence that we have as the body of Christ. And, and, you know, if you listen to some of the things that, that God has spoken through his prophets in times past, um, we, we tend to want to blame whoever's in the White House. We tend to want to blame whoever's in the Supreme Court. We tend to want to blame whoever's in Congress when the Lord has made it very clear that the church, the body of Christ in this country, we are the ones who wield the spiritual power. And the spiritual power, amen, is where it's at. So it's very, very easy to talk about how this happened and that happened and, and mad at this president or mad at this court or what have you. You know, again, what are we doing as the body of Christ to exercise our authority and the power that God has made available to us to make a difference in this country. Getting kind of quiet, but that's all right. If you only expect what you can produce, 
if you, if you like to go find a sign and march, then go do it. But that's not where our power lies as the church. Are you hearing me? I encourage you to vote, but you have more power than the power of a ballot. You, you have more to offer the future and the future generations of this country, okay, than calling in a talk radio show and complaining and griping on Facebook about things that you don't like in this country. Are you hearing me? Amen. So just realize that. And, and as, as the people of God begin to expect, are you hearing me? See, we, think about it for a moment now. We, we've told God we don't want you in our government. We've told God we don't want you in our schools. We've told God, for the most part, we don't want you in our homes. But by the way, we want you to protect us and prosper us. It, see, something, something ain't right right there, okay? All right? But if you look carefully, even, even if God's people in this country are a minority, one will put 1,000 to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. In other words, we, we, we don't have to have a majority of, it would be nice, it would be nice if more than 50% of our senators were spirit-filled, tongue-talking men and women, but we don't have to have that in this country for there to be revival in this country. We, we don't, we quit looking to the government to do what only God and God's people can do in this nation. What are your expectations for this country? Are you expecting it to just continue to, 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 to spiral downwardly? Are you, are you expecting it to, to, to just crime, just to keep getting worse and, 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 and all these things, you know, debt and uh, family breakdown and, and, and all this other stuff. See, it, it's almost like because we've seen a trend of that, that, that we expect that now. Do you expect abortion to be the law of the land for the rest of your days on this planet? What are we expecting? Are you seeing? See, we need the power of God in these issues. Are you expecting uh, for, for the history of this nation um, until Jesus comes back to be one that's racially divided? My friend, that's not of God. But listen to me. Legislation will never fix these things. This, these are things in men's hearts. And the only thing that will change a man's heart is the power of God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If you only expect what you can produce, then you put your trust in yourself. And no wonder so many people are, are losing hope in a, a government by the people, for the people, and, 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 and what our founding father... I listen, I, I believe they were ordained of God to, 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 to put the documents in place that this nation was built upon. And obviously they're under attack. Last time I checked, eight out of every $10 that goes to, to advance the kingdom of God around the world comes from the United States of America. So do you not think the devil wants to shut this nation down? Do you not think the devil wants to shut the economy of this nation down? Not to mention people who have um, fought for this, this nation overseas. My friend, listen to me. 
the devil hates this country for a lot of reasons because the devil is an oppressor. He wants people to, to live in, in, in bondage. He wants people to live oppressed. He wants people to live under tyranny where they do not have the opportunities to, to be the, the, the man or the woman that God created them to be. And he despi- the devil despises this country because this country stands for that. It stands for that around the world. It it is proof around the world that it'll work. If you only expect what you can produce, guess who you put your trust in. But those who expect Jehovah, come on now, will pass to power. Jeremiah 17. You got a few more minutes? Amen. Praise God. Jeremiah 17. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Jeremiah 17. Let's turn there. I want you to open. If you've got a Bible, I want you to open it there. You, you may want to mark these verses. Now, as you're turning there, I want to remind you, before I read Jeremiah 17, that the New Testament, Jeremiah's in the Old Testament, And so the New Testament, this new covenant that we now have with God is the one that we live under. The Bible says under the new covenant that Jesus became a curse for us and lifted that curse off of us and carried it away from us so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon all of us. Amen. Every child of God, no matter what your biological uh, descendancy may be. In other words, you don't have to be a a Jewish uh, Hebrew man or woman for the blessing of Abraham to come upon you now. But he says that Jesus became the curse, took the curse off so the blessing of Abraham could come upon um, the Gentiles, the non-biological descendants of Abraham. But yet there are still many people, many born-again people, who are living under the weight or under the burden of a curse. Not because Jesus hasn't lifted off of us, but I think it goes back to this whole understanding of our expectations and to whom we have put our trust. Amen. So notice what he says here. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Heart departing from the Lord means your, your, your heart's no longer fixed upon Him. You're no longer looking to Him. You're no longer focus, focused on Him. But you have shifted your focus, your heart, the focus of your heart, um, to people. And this would include yourself. Um, it's back to that lateral versus hoping, expecting upward. Notice what this man's life will look like. He'll be like a shrub in the desert shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land that is not inhabited. Verse 7, Blessed is the man, come on, that's us, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Hope is just another word for expectation whose confident expectation is the Lord. Notice, I I like the way this is worded here. He's not just saying that our hope is in Him, but that our hope is Him. Amen. Not just hoping in what He can do, but hoping in who He is. Our hope is the Lord. 
All things, all things Jesus. Amen. That's our hope. Notice what this man's life will be like. He'll be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit. So I want you to imagine for a moment a lone, scraggly bush, shrub, amen. You see the the, the comparisons here. A scraggly shrub in the middle of nowhere versus a mighty tree planted by the rivers of water. Uh, A lone, scraggly shrub barely clinging to life way out in the middle of a desert. separated, isolated. See, this is what the devil's trying to do. He wants to separate you and he wants to isolate you. These are two of his uh, first uh, uh, lines of offense against you. He wants to separate you and he wants to isolate you. He wants to separate you and he wants to isolate you. Notice now, if you're separated and isolated, guess who you're going to be putting your trust in? You're going to be trusting in yourself, right? Because there's nobody else around for you to put your trust in. And so one of, the, one of the ways that the devil separates us and isolates us is when other people hurt us, we tend to turn inward. When other people disappoint us, we tend to, to not look to other people. But see, what we don't recognize so many times and this is the trick the devil plays on us, is that when we build that wall around ourselves to protect ourselves and keep other people from hurting us, that we also build a wall around our heart that keeps God out of the picture as well. He wants to separate you and isolate you. This is why coming to church is one of the most important disciplines of your week and of your life. There is so much more to live in the Christian life than coming to church. Amen? But the, the, the head of the church asked you, as a matter of fact, he commanded you to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together because there is an enemy who's trying to separate you. He's trying to isolate you. Peter tells us that he's seeking whom he may devour and he is as a roaring lion. Guess who the roaring lion targets? The roaring lion targets the one who's become separated and isolated from the pack. Separated and isolated, all the shrub knows is dry, parched, and salty. Last week we said that sounds like a peanut ready to eat. Now here's the thing. Notice it says he doesn't see good, he doesn't know good when it comes. God put something in you. God put something in you, and it manifests itself in different ways in our lives. We're going to try to connect with that this morning for just a minute, okay? God put something in you, all right, that doesn't like to or want to miss out. So we take that for granted. We, we just think that, well, you know, there's not a person in this room who likes missing out on good things. It's... I mean, you take somebody that doesn't know God, doesn't believe in God, doesn't even think there is a God, they don't like missing out. Nobody likes to be the person 
right, who goes fishing on the day when they were biting yesterday. Nobody wants to be the person who shows up and, and, and they're... Uh, Oliver spent the night with Pam Pam and Granddaddy last night. It's glorious. Oh my gosh, it's glorious. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, it's, you know, it's just Prince, you know, I mean, it's, it's Prince Oliver, you know, and, uh, and so he's like, Granddaddy, what we, what we going to do? I said, Oliver, whatever you want to do, that's what we're going to do. And so he said, um, I think I want to go get in the swimming pool. I said, well, let's get the trunks on, buddy. Granddaddy, what are we going to eat? Whatever you want to eat. He said, I think I want Taco Bell, Granddaddy. All right. Taco Bell it is. Guess, guess what? That lady had the audacity to tell my grandson in the drive-thru at Taco Bell yesterday afternoon, sorry, we're closed. I was like, hold on a second, woman. You don't, you don't tell my grandson. No, I'm just kidding. Right. Nobody likes to be the, I was in line at Uncle Sam's Barbecue. It's like they're giving away gold bricks up there, by the way. I don't know if you've seen that place. Man. It, 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 anyway, it makes me want to take about half that business next year for the church barbecue, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Amen. But forgive me, Lord. Amen. But I was in line at Uncle Sam's about a month ago, and this lady came out and she said, you're our last customer. And I said, okay, the Bible says something about the last being first. Can I move to the head of the line? No, I'm just kidding. You're our last customer. I just want you to know that. And I went, she goes, if you, when you get to the speaker, tell them. I said, okay. I will. Thank you. All these people getting in line behind me. Now, see, I didn't want to wait, even though I was fixing to get some food. How much more? Put the car in park, get out. You know, people are like, you know, reaching for their pistol or something. You know, I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. I'm a preacher. So, anyway, no, ma'am, I am so sorry, but. They told me I was the last customer. What I didn't make. Oh, thank you for letting me know. You know, so let them all know. You know, keeping the line cleared out there, right? So, but nobody wants to be that that person that waits in line and says, "I'm sorry, that guy in the red truck was our last customer today." And there was something hardwired into us that does not want to miss out. There are people who have anxiety in their lives because they have that gnawing sense that they are missing out. Anybody ever woke up one day in your 30s and thought, man, I think I'm missing out on what I'm supposed to be doing in life. See, I believe God put that in us. But notice, when we put our trust in ourselves, we're like a lone scraggly shrub out in the middle of nowhere. Good is happening all over the place, but we would never know it. See, if you only watch... 
cable news networks, you would never know that there are good things happening in the world. If you only watch certain channels, you would never know about revival taking place in different places in the world. If, if you only listen to what enemies of, of conservatism have to say about Russia, you would never know about a man named Dr. Rick Renner who is seeing tremendous revival and advancement for the kingdom of God in Russia. There are good things happening, my friend. But when we put our trust in ourselves, we'll never see it. And if you never see it, and if you never know what's happening, you may have this gnawing sense that you're missing out on something, but see, you don't even know what you're missing. And that's where so many people find themselves who either don't know God or riding the fence where a relationship with Him is concerned. You have no idea what you're missing by limiting your expectations to your own abilities. John Mark, come on, I think you're singing for us uh, during communion. Man, could go another hour this morning and not even check up. As he comes, as he comes, let me... Let me, let me just say this last thing. Again, this was a last-minute addition that I just felt impressed to remind you of. There was a time in my life in the early days of uh, when I was in the cabinet business. And, um, I don't know, it was just building a business. And it, it, Anyway, we were struggling in those early days. Um, and I kept hearing myself, I say hearing myself, and I was saying it on purpose. It wasn't like I didn't know what I was saying, but I kept hearing myself say, I'm doing all I know to do. Somehow I got some kind of weird sense of comfort out of that. You know, it's like this ship is sinking, but I'm doing all I know to do. You know, it's like. And to be honest with you, I thought I was, I thought it was a statement of humility you know, I, I thought, you know, just, I mean, there were times people would show up the next morning for work and I would still have on the same clothes I had on the day they left because I ain't left. Doing all I know to do. I know all I know to do. And I, 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 it, it, it kind of, again, I just, you know, look how humble and pitiful. I'm doing all I know to do. You know, just, This is the simple word that the Lord dropped in my spirit. He said, son, what makes you think you know all there is to do? Right? Just because you're doing all you know to do doesn't mean that's all there is to do. So you can try harder or you can try different. I was trying as hard as I knew how to try with all I knew to do. Expecting what I could produce the Lord told me he said the only way you get out of this hole is if you give your way out of it give your way out of it we started sending 200 bucks a month to Kenneth Copeland Ministries turned the whole thing around amen amen Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for these beautiful men and women. Thank you for your hand upon their lives. Thank you, Father. 
that our expectations are not within our own selves, but Lord, they're within you. They're with, they're with you, Father. You are our expectation. Christ in us, the confident expectation of glory. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for having such low expectations. Father, forgive us for even some in this room, Lord, only expecting negative and, and bad things and evil reports in their lives, Father. Lord, it's, it's not the life you created us to live. Forgive us for putting our trust in ourselves and our trust in other people, Lord. Putting other people in that number two slot, pushing ourselves down into number three. You're number one, Father. We're number two. And we, and we get real serious about correcting that order right now, Lord. Thank you, Father, for loving us and being so patient with us. Thank you, Father, that you've saved us, redeemed us, so that you can make your power known in our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise God.